3: So welcome back to the second half of our special New Year's conversation, recorded on the 2nd of January. This section, which is parts three and four, will be looking at us in reflection on 2020 as a whole. The ups, the downs, the highlights, the lowlights, some of the sad stuff that's happened, but some of the positives as well. And we've also got a special quiz coming up. And we'll be looking forward with hope to the upcoming year ahead. twenty twenty one. We're looking forward with hope to what's coming, but in the meantime, one final look back to what's just gone. We won't mention the very, very obvious things of the year because they, they speak for themselves. But guys, I wanted to get your reflections of the year in view. Um, first of all, on the specific subject of the Albion, um, what's your overall view of the club and the team? And also, I guess you could say how they handled COVID at the various stages as well. Anybody want to go first? Yeah,
1: well, um, yeah. Um, I will point out that the club got the highest total um, of Premier League points um, this season. Um, you know, obviously we're going to point to one win at home uh, during the calendar year, which is dreadful. Um, slightly unusual circumstances in terms of the support. I mean, uh, people have mentioned that it may have been even worse if there were fans in there. Um, uh, hmm. But um, there. I, I mentioned it earlier, that Bloom's got a project, hasn't he? And um, from what I can see, Potter's quite integral to, to that project. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Sanchez is just latest on that production line. Um, Bloom's invested an awful lot of money in the Academy, and... Um, and this is what he, he seems to like. But, um, you know, whether you can do that, plus um, a, a secure Premier League survival, uh, especially when you're pa- paying in the bottom five um, player wages, which, as I've mentioned before, that's the the best metric to predict your, your Premier League position, um, is a different question. It's one we're going to find out. Um, uh, I mean, I'm I'm slightly less uppity, I suppose, or, or concerned at this particular point, but that, that's precisely because I always thought that, you know, it was likely that we were going to be in a relegation battle. Um, I'll point out that we still haven't been in the relegation, um, in the relegation
2: zone. Itself.
1: Mm-hmm. And um it has been mentioned that once we get into it we will never get out of it Um, and i see absolutely nothing to support that idea i think it people that make that comment it says more about them than it does about um the players and the coach and the chairman
3: yeah yeah agreed that's it's not the be-all and end-all dropping in it could be a psychological blow who knows there's no guarantee we would, we would be able to get back out, but yeah, there's no reason to to, to sort of state almost as fact that we wouldn't, and that would be it, game over. But uh, the year well, as a whole, I mean, we we started badly, didn't we? And then um, I think after lockdown was okay. Sorry, Richard, you wanted to say something? Do you want no, to- no, no, no. Go ahead. Go first, ahead. Actually? Finish the point. I just, yeah, I was just going to say that um, you know we, we were struggling a bit at the turn of the year when we lockdown, as Peter's mentioned has probably come at a good a good time for us in terms of giving the, the team a break. And we definitely benefited from that. And I think we had a good end of season, all things considered. Um, obviously, very, uh, since COVID broke in, well, of course, the, the, the break in play in March, having broken at the beginning of the year, it's been a pretty extraordinary year, of course. And there's been so many challenges and so many issues on and off the pitch as a result. Um, but I think all things considered, the Albion have done well Certainly, with the conclusion of that season, um, and with the way they've handled themselves in general, we've mentioned it quite a bit on air in the past. Uh, Paul Barber's been both um, frequent and quality in his presence. Uh, I think, with in terms of speaking to the media, in terms of speaking to fans, um, we at Seagulls Over London and various other fans groups um, have had, um, you know, we've had loads of Zoom meetings where we've had, we've had Graham Potter, we've had. Dan Ashworth, we've had Paul Barber again has come on. Um, Various players, ex-player, well, ex-players have come on as well. It's been uh, a really big boost to to all the fans, or well, everyone really interested um, in the subject. Um, It's been good for them to have outlets and ways of engaging with the club in a way that hadn't been the case before, hadn't been realistically possible before through Zoom and other formats. Um, That's been one thing that I think was superb. Um I think the way we handled so many of the of the issues as they came up, we gave um food to food banks for the games that were cancelled uh we vouchers to staff to keep their spirits up the ring rounds to all the um the elderly and more isolated members of the fan base as as perceived by the club um and then there was there was charity initiatives um giving money um the the way we've handled the ticketing arrangements you know what we what we were doing and when in terms of refunds. I think generally buyer has been pretty good Um, and they've been as flexible as they can. And it couldn't have been easy to have so many, not only so many things to organise, but then to reorganise pretty much halfway through organising it. They've had to change and adapt to new information and new rules that were coming out at various points. Um, So I commend the club for a huge amount in the the year. Um, The year itself has been horrible, but I think there's been some positives that we could take from our club, I think. What would you say, Richard?
2: Yeah, I, 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 you put all that very well. I'd echo all of that. I think the club emerges with a lot of credit for what it's done off the pitch and the media strategy and the communications with uh, the press and the fan base. And as you say, it can't have been easy. You know, It's a time when, for much of the year, most of the year, um, games have been played behind closed doors. So that you know that connection with fans has been removed by necessity um so the club um I think has communicated with fans very well done it very proactively been very open about things and I think Paul Barber particularly has been you know a very very articulate communicator for the club uh including being prepared to go out on a limb and defend some positions on quite difficult issues like where games got played during Project Restart for example um you know the other thing that was that was encouraging that I can recall is um you know we we mentioned sexism in football earlier on in, in the earlier part of this um uh racism in football and elsewhere has been you know a, a, a very nasty undercurrent for much of the year as well so for the couple of games where the fans were where some fans were allowed in applauding the players when they took the knee i thought was you know a very very encouraging uh, and supportive sign particularly as it happened, uh, happened uh, you know shortly after the same gesture had been booed in certain other places um as far as on the pitch goes, yeah. I mean, there aren't, there aren't quite as many highlights to pick. But obviously, the win against Arsenal, I think, as I said before, was absolutely crucial. Um, and on a slightly lighter note, also included what, in my view, was the uh, post-match interview of the year by Neil Morpate. Um, when, he, when, he, when he very chirpily said that Arsenal players needed, need to learn humility and they got exactly what they deserved. So I thought it was, was quite a good antidote to the usual bland stuff that you tend to get in post-match interviews.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, oh, I've forgotten that one, actually. That's great. You've uh, highlighted that. Um, yeah, abs- absolutely true. In fact, you've just reminded me of one other bit of football news this week. Swansea not covered themselves in glory for a second time. Apparently some of their fans have, were, were booing and jeering and making some noises during the, uh, uh, the, uh, the taking the knee moment in their recent game with Reading. And they were obviously went inside the stadium, that they were outside, but they were making themselves heard, which yet yeah, another, um, well, group of people, small group. Hopefully, um, who have not covered themselves in glory. But but getting back to,
1: um... they're just taking their cue from our prime minister, who um, is not adverse to to making such comments, is he? But uh, mm. never mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes, uh, a buffoon in in every sense that man. But um, I... well, one one thing that you've missed there that um, I mean, it was a good list. I, I, I agree with what uh, Richard said. Um, one thing that I really liked was the response to pay-per-view. Um, yeah. I extremely enjoyed paying £14.95 to the Trussell Trust, of Trust um, uh, on a weekly basis. Um, that was one yeah. of my, the most pleasurable things about 2020 for me. Yeah. That's that's a good shout as well, yeah. I, I, I did the same um, I, well, on
3: the first one at least. I, I sort of put a contribution in because, yeah, I mean, they got that badly wrong. It's one of those, well, missteps or testing the water moments that the TV companies and other other organisations around football will try from time to time. And I'm very glad they were put straight back down and and made to realise, yeah, that's nowhere near hitting the mark
1: for fans. And Um, and just one final point on that. That was um, kind of pioneered by the Newcastle fans. And I love the Newcastle fans. I really missed going to Newcastle. Really looking forward to going to Newcastle again for yeah, a while. We're 100% going to the next
3: um, permitted uh, visit, I think, for that one. Uh, one way or the other, I'm going to make sure we're we're on that trip, on that train together, Andy, definitely. Um, and any other comments on the on the club in general before I move on to the next subject?
0: Uh, Peter? I was just going to say, actually, while you're on Newcastle, I was going to say that I thought the win there was uh, probably the highlight of the year for Albion, just because we were... I mean, we, this is what's so frustrating in a way, because I have said before, I don't really think we progressed this year mm. in terms of anything. I think we're probably in a worse position than we were this time last year. Um, but that game, and I think possibly the, you know, the expectation rose after that game, and that might be a, an issue as well, partly. And after two really good home displays as well, we could easily have got something from Chelsea and Manu. But we absolutely mm-hmm. destroyed Newcastle. I mean, Lamptey mm-hmm. was, Sir Maximam came on last season and actually caused us problems for the last half hour when, when we, despite us dominating possession up there this season, he, you know, he basically went off after half an hour destroyed by, by Lamptey, who basically tormented him for the whole game. Well, won. yeah. I mean, that, that's part of the thing, isn't it? Lamptey was in that
3: match. The, yeah. what, the, the key thing was, I and mean, we've started games well in other matches, but the key thing there was we got a very early goal. No, um, really fact, no. Yeah, two Yeah, two early goals. Uh, and that's, that's right. And that is a key difference with most of what's gone wrong in the other games in which yeah. we've had a reportedly good first well, apparently half. Our
0: other win, we also got an early goal because at Villa, I think we scored after about 10, 15 minutes or something like that we'd scored. Yeah. So even though we didn't, they then didn't pegged us back, we did at least get the early goal. And some of yeah, us, I, we've ended up with 10 men in both games. We've won this year. So maybe we should start getting players sent off more often. <laughs> um, I think overall, I think, yeah, what you guys are saying about the Albion... I think off the field, barring the, yeah, the pay-per-view stuff that Albion didn't necessarily handle that well and the, and the season ticket refund, and then quickly then turned it round after that, to be fair. I mean, within a couple of days, they they changed their mind and offered refunds and that sort of thing. But initially, I thought they handled that pretty poorly. But other than oh, that... Oh, yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, that's true. Literally yeah, there was it wasn't foot wrong. I mean, everything that's you know been good about the whole you know about stuff, that has been like, yeah, Albion at the forefront, really. there has been, you know, kind of... You hear Paul Barber talking about... Pretty much, he's one of the few chairmen who's happy to put their head above the parapet and discuss things, even if sometimes they are quite difficult issues, like you know whether we should have home advantage in you know not that it not get us any good, but home advantage. I think they should. It was right they they stood up to other chairmen who were trying to say we were trying to block restart and saying no, actually we should have home advantage, even though we you know it's not done us any good. I think it's the right thing to do to try and make the competition as you know as as, re, as realistic as possible, rather than just having a, a pointless neutral tournament yeah. and that sort of thing. So I, I think the club have been. on every level except on the pitch really generally since lockdown and even on the pitch there's been some you know some rays of light you know Liverpool home I thought we played really really well should have won really if anything I mean we missed some absolute sitters which again is the story of our season Um, some yeah Villa away I thought we played really well West Ham away I actually thought we played really well which is why it was so frustrating that two silly goals really kind of lost us the game you know it's a, we've had some really good performances where you can see and it's part of the reason i'm not totally in the potter out group i've been mean, you know i'm kind of on the edges in and out depending on what we've probably got the last game which is probably not why i shouldn't mm-hmm. be a chairman but um you know but you've got, and also why i probably would still prefer the striker to come in because there are games when you can see how it works how how effective it could be and then there are other games like arsenal where frankly we just don't really turn up and although we did okay in the first half where so, I mean, I think, I think if you start to a like res- resolution to be moving to, I think Albion should be to win more than one home league game. That would be quite a nice one. Or to, uh, to match our home league wins from last year to this afternoon.
3: Yeah, I think the, the home form, uh, well, the home results uh, have been the undoubted low light uh, on the pitch, haven't they, for us this season. Our
0: um, away form this year is actually a lot better than previously. Yeah, what it's somebody win- said,
3: I think we're only one... One result worse off than Liverpool for away form, yeah. which is interesting, which well, tells, tells you a lot about their season as well as ours. But um, behind them know, on goal. Goal. Yeah. But ultimately, they are top of the table. So, you know, if we, if, if we could have got anywhere near a normal season in terms of home form, that would have been the difference. And yeah. on that subject, I mean, I just to go, normally this would be the halfway stage pretty much on the nose, wouldn't it, um, as we're talking now. It isn't because of the, the scheduling. But... um. Looking at my predictions for the season, I had Brighton to finish in 11th. That is looking a bit ambitious now, but it was based on us having a normal amount of home form. We have, since that conversation, had a a series of poor results against sides. I expected us to pick points up, in. to be fair to me, I'm just going to defend myself there. Where I can't defend myself is that I had Sheffield United finishing 13th, Um, considering they'd already go off to a pretty bad start for a fair period of time uh, that is not looking like a good prediction at the moment. Big question in <laughs> 2021,
0: is it, are Sheffield United going to beat Derby?
3: Yeah, the 11 points, isn't it? The the, yeah. the record. Derby got a win early in the season when they created that unwanted record and Sheffield United, well, they're still looking for theirs. We uh, we tried to give it to them, but uh, ultimately weren't able to. But um, yeah, I mean, could they go a whole season without, without winning? I, I suspect not. Could they break could Derby's record? Then? Yeah, I think <laughs> it's possible. I mean, if you look at their results, they've had a massive number of 1-0 defeats this season. I think it's something like seven or eight games that have finished like that, which tells you a lot about the fact they're trying to keep it tight. They realise they're underplaying and they just want to try and keep it as tight as they can, but ultimately have failed in a number of those games, even even though it's only to the, to the point of one goal concession. The fact they're so poor at scoring, except when they're playing us, uh, is... Um, it's a bit of an issue. So.
0: Yeah, looking at the table, they've got a minus nineteen goal difference from fourteen defeats and no wins. I mean, that is pretty yeah. pretty impressive. That means they've, on average, as you say, lost by one goal basically. Which, yeah. considering how dreadful they're widely regarded as being, is not doesn't reflect that really. It's, you say yeah. it's a lot of small margins and you know kind of yeah kind of tight things. But yeah. and they, to be fair, they lost their best defender for the uh, before just before the season started in O'Connell, who's been who was fantastic for them last yeah. season. And, and they lost Dean ending, which obviously shows the issue around low knees. Yeah, um, they're talking
3: about Ramsdale. But it's not,
0: been, he's not, been, not been as good.
3: good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, My bottom three, yeah. incidentally, was, was Fulham, Burnley, and then West Brom in 18th. Um, that's still feasible, although I'm suspecting Burnley aren't going to feature. Um, if they do, it won't be. they
0: will end up mid-table now. They, they've got their yeah. solidity. They've they potentially got a bit of money to spend. Although, you know, yeah. you don't know with, with Dyche's way of working whether that will they'll benefit them massively. If they get one or two bigger names in, they might not have the same work ethic that uh, Dyche's yeah. current team works. Uh, yeah,
3: I've got Palace and Newcastle above that and then Leeds in 15th. I mean, th- those yeah. might be about right, to, uh, but not quite with the other teams around them, <laughs> as we'd imagine. My top three, by the way, I still feel might end up being the top three, which is Liverpool, Man City, Leicester. I know Man United are, are closing in now. They've done actually pretty well, haven't they, all things considered. Um, game in hand as well. That's good. Yeah, and, could and if they're
0: game in hand, they're only a point off those two as well. That's
1: yeah. Then, sorry. Yeah, but I, I think I, Liverpool, have... Liverpool, City, United, Tottenham, and United, Tottenham.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. The the yeah. one that I'm most concerned about there would be City, um, because and I made this point at the beginning of the season, they they miss Aguero, um, Jesus is not. Um, a decent enough replacement for him, even when he's mm. there, which he hasn't been.
0: There, there are reports yeah. today that they're looking to sign Kane in summer.
1: Mm. Interesting. Uh, well, I, I mean, that would be dependent upon how well Tottenham do this season, I would say.
0: Yeah, you must wonder whether if they don't win anything this season, Kane might think, well, I want to win some trophies as much as I love Spurs. Do I? Yeah. Do I look to... Move on. to a season. Well,
1: they're, they're beaten leads at the moment, and Kane's got a goal and an assist, and his assist, of course, was for a son goal. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's working well. Please for
0: my yeah. fantasy team and my predictions. So I'm happy
1: on yeah. both sides. Yeah. yeah, nice work. I, yeah. th- I
2: think in, in your in your defence for us, I mean, some of those predictions are a bit ambitious, but it's a, it's a very unusual season, right? Isn't it? I mean, yeah. we all know the circumstances, but there's been some, you know. Jaw dropping results. When you take Liverpool, right? I mean, yeah, I mean they've say... seven at Aston Villa, put seven past Crystal Palace, and then dropped points to West Brom, Fulham, and and us. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: West Brom in the last week as well. I mean, go to Liverpool, get a fantastic draw, and then lose five nil at home to Leeds. I mean, that is ridiculous, really.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's it's so unpredictable, isn't it? It really is.
0: And and Leeds uh, are a really random one as well because they can easily go and win five 0 one week and then lose five 0 the next week.
3: Yeah, well, you you so mentioned Palace. Good. I mean, they lost seven 0 to Liverpool, but they thrashed Leeds. didn't they was it four one or something like that. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it, there's loads of up and downs. There have been a huge number of goals as well, which has been another feature of the of this calendar year, particularly in this season's part of the calendar year. Um, but it's yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Um, in terms of the, um, the wider world of 2020, just to, to reflect on a few other things. Um, the podcast, um, we started it on, I think, well, we the recording the first recording we made, I think we put out on the 10th of Jan, um, sort of like a bumper episode in two parts. And since then, it's I think it's grown from strength to strength. We've been enjoying it, haven't we, Peter? Started off in the pub. We've been doing it on Zoom, obviously, since COVID, um, with I think one exception where we we were able to get back to the pub um with permissions and everything but uh at t- times were allowed but it was just more feasible to do it online and i think um it's it's worked out well enough um it's been great. We've had a number of really good guests on. We've had Paul Barber, we've had Michelle Kuypers, we've had Spencer Vignes, we've had um, Kieran Maguire and his cohort, uh, Kevin Day, later on joining us as well. Um, Gordon Smith's been on. Um, we've had guys from the Albion Roar and Joshua together. We've um, there's, there's many more besides, probably too numerous to mention. We have some authors on, haven't we? Um, Bill Hearn was interesting about his Black Pioneers in football. Um, there's been...
0: Um, any number of others. Liverpool and Arsenal and.
3: Yeah. Hampton, yeah. Stirs um, as well. West uh, Ham. the yeah, have from the pub, Sam. You. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, of course, we've had a number of, um, regular contributors. Um, Richard, probably not as much in terms of numbers, but more recently you have been and uh, have been very valuable. We've really enjoyed your input. And Andy, you've been excellent as well. Um, Really, really good to have you aboard. Uh, (laughs) Modest faces. (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, it adds an extra dimension because I think um, one of the greatest compliments people can pay me and they have done um, in small numbers uh, from friends, admittedly, the feedback's been, it's like just being down the pub with you guys and just chatting. And that's kind of the idea when when we've had sort of yeah, three or four people involved. The whole idea is it's um it's pretty much like pub chat. Um with beers as well, quite often. Not today, but quite often. So um
2: I think that there, that adds to it. There were there were a couple of quirky things in I mean I yeah, echo what you said about pod, podcast podcasts. It's been great. Um there were two things I picked up for sort of light lighter moments, but neither of which has anything to do with the Albion. But um you know, in an in an otherwise largely bleak year, there were quite amusing things. One was, you know, happy ending stories. One was um, Meza Urzal offering to pay the salary of uh, Gunasaurus, the Arsenal mascot, oh, yes. who might otherwise have been made redundant. Um <laughs> I, I, He's always intrigued me, Urzal. You know, interesting interesting character with an interesting backstory. So that that made me smile. And the other one, we were talking about lots of goals going in and COVID absenteeism. Um I don't know whether you picked this up, Russ, but there was a game in the lower reaches of German football where uh, one team had reported a number of COVID cases and the opposition were concerned about this and therefore were only able to field seven players because if they cancelled the game, they would have been fined by their league. So the seven players took the field and for the most part just stood aside and let the other team score and the other team won (laughs) 37-0. and and then got an absolute hammering in the media for taking advantage of the situation and scoring that many goals but the happy the happy ending is that you know there were no hard feelings the two teams made up and they they get on better now than they ever did before so yeah
3: there you and go. There's been, a, there's been a number of good stories, both in and out of football, hasn't there? Some some, some funny stuff, some cheery stuff, some amusing and quirky elements, um, too numerous to go into, probably. Uh, lots of rather amusing memes and gifs have appeared at various points. Uh, it's the keeping the spirits up thing, isn't it? That everyone's got to have gallows humour and everything else. Um, yeah. Uh, one one thing, well, two the two real highlights for me this year have been been getting this podcast going and really enjoying doing it, and hopefully you guys have been enjoying listening to it as well. But um, that's been one of them. The other thing has been I've been able to binge watch a huge amount of TV and um, and also uh, film. And uh, normally I'm a massive film fan, go to the cinema a lot anyway. But um, it's been more about the small screen, obviously this year. Um, but there's been, I think, firstly a load of things I've called up on, but there's also been a load of things that new stuff that's gone onto onto those platforms and it it really changed the way we're i think receiving drama i think now it's it's becoming so fluid isn't it um long-form narratives there's that word again narratives um in terms of the lengths of episodes the lengths of series can be completely flexible it's allowed much more creative freedom and much more things being the natural length they should be i think has, has benefited and there's been a, a load of really good really good programs out there i mean i've caught up on a huge amount of stuff um uh, but the, the highlights i think of this year i really enjoyed the stranger things series thought that was excellent um i've caught up on a load of line of duty and um homeland and things like that which i hadn't seen um i thought uh well, I've just started watching The Queen's Gambit, which is the, the current buzz thing. Uh, so far, so good. First episode, pretty good. Um, and there's there's loads of loads more besides. You guys, have you been uh, binging? Andy's got his hand up enthusiastically.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Go to you, um, sir. Uh I'm glad you've been watching Line of Duty. That's something that we've been watching over the last decade or so. It gets a bit silly at times, but uh, the two central protagonists, absolutely amazing um yeah we took um we've actually um indulged in a certain streaming um, service for the first time since (laughs) lockdown um and yeah we watched stranger things enjoyed that um but um the ones that i probably want to highlight are on more traditional channels so um the bbc had three amazing series last yeah. Um, last year um I may destroy you um normal people, which is um incidentally a great novel as well russell oh. uh, <laughs> I'll make sure to add it to my very long list of things to read yeah and, um Steve McQueen's small acts i mean Steve mcQueen yeah. is uh, um so good um yeah, and that's exceptional isn't it was amazing um and I would also um, something that's kept me through, which always keeps keeps us through, is is Gogglebox. <laughs> <laughs> Limey, isn't you've, got, you've got very diverse
3: taste, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, obviously it's the equivalent of uh, soccer Saturday, isn't it? It's it's watching people watching something. It's a crazy format that actually is is un- unexpectedly a stroke of genius.
1: But it, it's it's made by the watchers. Um yeah exactly the other, yeah. the other thing that um needs to be mentioned is parasite yeah yeah
3: which uh, i was going to come on to films in more detail but parasite uh, yeah film of the year uh without doubt for me on reflection there was one or two things that in the heat of the moment i thought might have overtaken or come close but actually on reflection uh, i don't know if pete and uh, richard if you've seen those uh, seen it but parasite is film of the year korean film Quite Bong he's he just he's superb isn't he it's good, just, film. Uh, good film yeah, yeah.
2: On, on the small screen stuff uh, yeah stick with the Queen's Gambit Russ it's great yeah thoroughly Excellent. enjoyed that um, also enjoyed The Last Dance which was about yeah. the Michael Jordan basketball. and the Chicago Bulls mm-hmm. in the 90s really really interesting I mean it yeah. helps if you like basketball but you don't absolutely have to because there's a lot of
3: no, very, I, very interesting interpersonal I...
2: subplots going on there
3: yeah, I, I don't follow basketball at all, but I enjoyed the series. Yeah, well,
2: you know, it, it forces you to tell. You know, you, you look at a team that's been really successful over a period of years, and you kind of assume that everybody's pulling in the same direction, everybody gets on well. There's no factionalism. There's no backbiting. In reality, there was loads of all of those things. Um, yeah, uh, and and for feel good, feel good BBC viewing, um, strictly was an absolute winner for me. I don't normally watch Saturday evening telly, but, um, you know, Bill Bailey planting a flag in the sand for blokes in their mid fifties is something that I have to support.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, My my, my other two watched Strictly. I didn't really watch it, but I I did um, dip in when Bill was on and his um, rendition of Metallica was was just great. (laughs) (laughs) Not not that I'm I'm really into, but... um, um, it was brilliant. Yeah,
3: it was fun. I mean, he's... Because I think they, they on that series, traditionally, they'll have people who are just duds who are just going to fall by the wayside. They have people who are going to be the comedy elements who go a certain distance into the into the competition before the, the voting them in for the sake of it uh, for a laugh falls away. And I yeah. think that's the category they probably thought Bill Bailey would fall into. And he, he ends up winning the whole thing. Um, he was actually pretty good. Yeah, I saw... I, I, same as you, Andy. I saw... I watched... um watched his stuff um, as and when and um, he was excellent he was really really good Yeah, <laughs> um, Marvellous Mrs Maisel on Amazon that was an excellent series um, a performance by um, the lead character she resembled I don't know how much of this was through impersonation inadvertently or deliberately or not but it really resembled Jack Lemon and his screen personas but she, it was an excellent period uh, drama comedy drama which was uh, really worthy of note as well Um, Killing Eve is probably past its best but there was another series of that wasn't there as well and I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really oh I've also called up with Sex Education British um, comedy series which is really good as well which I think isn't that new but uh, I think it's one of those things that's got another series on its way but that was really good fun as well Um, in terms of that uh, Peter any highlights for you
0: um, on top of what's already mentioned, I suppose the things I've probably enjoyed binge-watching most have been, on, both of them, a bit behind times, have been Shit's Creek, which I think is amazing, one of the oh, yeah best series yeah. I've seen in a long time, and Parks and Recreation, which is years ago, but I've I actually really got into that, and um, yeah, it's amazing how many episodes you can get through in one evening when it's only 21 minutes per episode, <laughs> and you just yeah. sit there, and, and then Netflix <laughs> starts judging you by saying, oh, are you sure you want to continue, because you've not really moved for the last, like, two hours? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a good sign. Words, But it goes press okay to continue whatever as in like are you still alive and uh
3: <laughs> i've never done that actually I'm, not, I'm i'm feel disappointed i haven't
0: um haven't really yeah, if you to seen to Creek. I, I, I was absolutely brilliant it was fantastic yeah
3: Shit's creek is another one I, it's it's disarmingly good because it's exactly the sort of thing i thought was going to be a bit of overkill sort of american comedy i find can be just very much sort of self-celebratory over nothing without having the the real meat on the bone sometimes, but with that one, it it seemed to have typical archetypes, and I thought, oh, where's this going to go? But actually, the story is
0: disarmingly yeah, developed well slowly, but then yeah. really picked up after, especially second series onwards. It's genuinely
3: touching stuff. Yeah, it's it's really really good. um Yeah, and um in terms of um films, I mean, I think it was a pretty good year. It's such a shame that cinema was decimated and unable to function hardly at all, really. Um, but I thought there was a, there's a huge number of great films uh, that year. I enjoyed, I think it had been released the this side of uh, of the new year at the time, was Jojo Rabbit, which was quite fun. Um, we've mentioned Parasite, of course, already. Um, there was a uh, the personal history of David Copperfield I quite enjoyed, Bombshell, which was a, a really interesting story about Hedy Lamarr, who was far more than just a pretty face on the silver screen. She'd um, had something to do with um, the invention of radar in some form or other. I can't remember the details now, but extraordinary film. Richard Jewell, I thought was quite good. The Lighthouse was a really strange avant-garde film with Willem Dafoe, I don't know if any of you saw that. It's uh, not going to be one for everybody, but pretty good. Queen and Slim as well. Um, In a, a year with Black Lives Matter, I think that one, Probably, I haven't looked at it on Netflix if it's on there, but if it has, it's probably got the Black Lives Matter tag next to it because it's uh, it falls very relevantly into that category. Um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire from France was an excellent film as well. That's one of the, the best of the year, as was Les Miserables, which is not a remake of the, re- of the musical. It's related to the narrative of the original story, but it's, uh, it's set in modern-day France in the projects. And a film which I think is actually better than La Haine, which is... The film it's probably most similar to as well, in some respects. That film, if you haven't seen it, Les Miserables, the 2020 version, absolutely superb. Um, Apparently set around the place where Hugo grew up as well, some of it. So interesting. Um, There was loads of stuff I caught up with as well on Netflix. Aside from that, I'm trying to think. Snowpiercer as well by Bong, the Parasite director. I caught up with that and Okja by him as well, which are both very good and um yeah plenty more besides i won't go on for too long because otherwise it'll just turn into a film podcast but uh being a big film fan i wanted to shout out to all of those um and if i think of any more i might throw them in randomly
0: in the middle of a conversation later in the pod uh, like, <laughs> anyone like else i yeah. to a slightly different topic for uh, 20 to my highlight of 2020 so yeah. discovering not only the gladstone where we started off our first podcast and their amazing chicken tikka pie and, stuff, oh, and discovering, oh, uh <laughs> With that one to make you feel hungry but also discovering the uh the gypsy hill brewery and uh yes. the Hepcat, which is now literally my favorite beer in the world it's like yeah. and surprisingly my uh, my fiance managed to buy a keg of it but like a five liter keg of it over christmas so i'm going to put <laughs> that later on today while watching the game and so at least i got something to cheer me up
3: oh, you <laughs> lucky bastard <laughs> I'm trying to go dry for the time being now as uh, just trying to take it easy after a heavy session over the uh, festive period but and that is quite tempting
0: and those pies that the game this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> that, those pies were amazing they're really really yeah, good uh, yeah i a shout out to the Gladstone whenever they're hopefully reopening again we can go back there and uh do more podcasts and eat more pies there, and yeah, we
3: really miss that place. Yeah, yeah, and the Gypsy Hill Brewery is brilliant. Apparently, I think it's a Palace fan that runs it, but uh, but, but nonetheless, we we everyone's we- got their crosses to bear. <laughs> <laughs> Some more than others. Yeah, um, the Painted Birds, That was one other film I wanted to mention. That's uh, really kind of hard viewing. It's relentlessly. Um, Um, well dark should we say (laughs) but it's a a very good film and rocks as well which is a low budget british film set in london um i think it's a really honest film that that really strikes to the heart of modern day youth culture and what it is to be young in this this modern age Uh, it's a really really good film um there's plenty more besides as well but as i said we'll move on to the next subject unless anybody's got any other big shout outs for that one um the other subjects being really, uh, well, there's, there's two others. One, unfortunately, is uh, putting a bit of a downer. It's been a horrible year for um, significant death, shall we say, people we know from the public eye. Um, it's, it started off pretty badly. We lost Terry Jones of Monty Python fame, uh, absolute classic figure of the comedy scene. Kobe Bryant, speaking of uh, basketball, of course, that was the beginning of this year, uh, tragically killed in a helicopter crash. We've lost uh, just a list a few of the others: Nicholas Parsons, um, legend of radio mainly, and also from TV in the earlier era. Kirk Douglas finally popped his clogs. He, we've got to a grand old age, I think. He went, uh, I think he went past 100, didn't he? Um, an absolute legend of the big screen. Um, Max von Sydow, another name from film. Um, McCoy Tyner, jazz pianist. Um, Roy Hudd, from popular entertainer in the UK. Um, uh, from the football world, Peter Whittingham, remember, that was this year as well, where he, I think, through a tragic accident, fell down some stairs um, in a pub or something like that. Just a really innocuous accident. Uh, and um, unfortunately, after a period in hospital, he died. Um, we had the uh, the classic country singer Kenny Rogers died. Um, Eddie Large, another entertainer, Bill Withers from Music. Uh, Honor Blackman, one of two Bond girls who died. Um, the actress also, Diana Rigg, more famous for the Avengers, passed away towards the end of the year. Uh, football-wise, we, and more sports-wise in general, we lost Raddy Antic, ex-Luton player, if you remember him, and Sir Sterling Moss. Peter Bonetti, the goalkeeper as well, who has a Worthing connection. In fact, I think he lived or was from Worthing originally. Um, I think I've got that right. Um, entertainer, Tim Brooke Taylor, um, again, back to football. Of course, we mentioned Michael Robinson, an Albion connection. Um, he died earlier this year after a battle with illness. Norman Hunter um, was one of those who succumbed to um, t- uh, to COVID. As did Lorenzo Sanz, the ex Real Madrid president. Um, there's a long list of others um, going through Trevor Cherry, another um, another sports legend. Leads your favourite team, Peter? Yeah, <laughs> smiling away. Um, We also lost um, Irfan Khan, I don't know if you know, he's the actor that was in films like Slumdog Millionaire, Lunchbox, Life of Pi, really great actor, apparently a lovely guy as well, we lost him, legendary jazz drummer Tony Allen uh, went, David Paul Greenfield, who is of course a Brightonian um, from The Stranglers, keyboardist, he succumbed to Covid. Um, Little Richard, uh, we lost as well, Um, Willie Thorne, the ex-snooker player. Uh, Vera Lynn, who got to a grand old age of I think it was 104 in the end, um, who also has a Brighton connection of Saltwell Sussex. She's a, she was a long-term Ditchling resident, although she's an East Ender originally. Um, the actor Sarian Holm, one of my two favourite film composers of all time, along with Bernard Herman, who's already died, um, was Ennio Morricone, uh, who passed away. Um, Jack Charlton, of course, OBE. Um, Alex Dawson, a Busby Babe and an ex-Albion player in his latter days, um, passed away. Olivia de Havilland, another um, centurion who uh, was a Hollywood legend of so many movie classics, too numerous to mention. Alan Parker, film director. Chadwick Boseman, who was a really talented young actor, most famous for Black Panther but other films besides. And whose last film, um, Ma Rainey, is I think out at the moment on release. Um,
1: I saw that every
3: night. Very good. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah. Yeah. I want to see that. Um, Apparently, it might be Oscar worthy.
1: uh, Viola Davis for um, top top acting.
3: Yeah. Viola Davis. Davis. Again, she's always very good, isn't she? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, Eddie
1: Van Halen, the musician.
3: Frank Buff, the legendary TV and sports TV uh, presenter. Um, Bobby Ball, comedian and actor, Uh, most famous more recently for his role as the dad in uh, Not Going Out which had a special on, which I think was his last role uh, over Christmas and New Year. Nobby Styles, World Cup winner. Sean Connery, legend of the screen. Uh, John Sessions, Geoffrey Palmer, another actor. Des O'Connor uh, from football, of course. We then, this is all in the very later part of the year, we lost Ray Clements, a legendary goalkeeper, who in other times would have had so many more appearances for England if he wasn't in the same era as Peter Shilton. We had lost probably... Well, certainly one of, if not the greatest player of all time in Diego Maradona, Um, a troubled individual throughout his life, but uh, a fantastic player of just sublime talent. Um, He died pretty much just after his 60th birthday. Um, We also lost, um, curiously, um, I think we'd already lost, I think um, previously, maybe it was in the previous year, I think the previous year, Peter Mayhew, who'd played Chewbacca in star wars well this year we lost dave prowse who of course famously as well as being the green cross code man uh was the body of darth vader in the star wars films albeit not the voice i don't know if you saw the clip when he died but they they showed his original um audio when he tried to uh, speak the role as well and it wasn't great <laughs> he did not sound menacing at all guys i have to say um and look, quite a few footballers died just at the end of the year papa bupa diop It was only a 42-year-old ex-Premier League player with several clubs in England. Paolo Rossi, World Cup winner and hat-trick scorer in that World Cup as well, a striker from the 80s. Um, Gerard Houllier, of course, football coach, died towards the end of the year. And um, we've we've just literally, I think it was on New Year's Eve, lost Tommy Doherty, ex-footballer and ex-manager. The other famous names perhaps being Peter Alice, golf commentator, Barbara Windsor, actor. Uh, John LeCurry, the author um, and also, finally, to mention again, which we did on the last podcast, Colin Smart, a former Albion youth coach, um, I think up up to and around the the noughties, I think he was with us. Um, so, I mean, those those are just some of the names. There's plenty more sides, but it's been a horrible year. I mean, that's a larger than average number of uh, familiar faces have fallen, but uh, to all of them, rest in peace. I don't know if anyone's got any particular comments on any of those those guys other than to say, yeah, it's just a really bad year, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I agree, just, uh, yeah, really sad.
3: Yeah, so final bit for this section before we move on to the dreaded quiz in part four. um, New Year's resolutions. I know a lot of people say, I don't do resolutions. So if you don't, fair enough. But if you do, have you got any, as they pertain to the Albion or to football in general or life in general, and your hopes for 2021 either way around? Mm -hmm.
2: Tough question. Tough question in any year, but particularly this year, Ross. you know yeah getting unscathed through the first, the next 3 months i think is a priority um yeah uh i'd like to get to the amex at some point this year um but the broader and more important one is just get as many people vaccinated as possible as quickly as possible would be my yeah. biggest yeah. hope for the new year
3: a general improvement on last year would be definitely a, a broad uh stroke there i think to to say as well
1: yeah andy yeah, um I I
3: go, go along with what Richard said. Yeah. And Peter. Yeah apart from hating are, Leeds more.
0: <laughs> I agree with the idea of yeah, I, I wanna uh, obviously the, the 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 global situation improving obviously is one, but then yeah, trying to get to the trying to get to a game. I actually am more excited about going to an away game in some weird way, you know, just kind of I miss those I miss those away trips, going to somewhere I mean you, you, I weirdly, even more so if we go down, because I think the away trips in the championship are even better than the Premier League generally, on average. And just going to a yeah, going to a different place and having, you know, just going for food and drink and watching Albion away with a in a group of supporters, you know, kind of obviously a much smaller group than home ones. And yeah, it's just I find myself at the moment after the Arsenal game, I I should have been a lot more annoyed than I was. And I think I was just partly because of the fact we're not there and partly because it's we've seen it all before. So many times, I felt myself just deflated and not really. I wasn't angry at the team, I wasn't angry at possibly the selection. I was just a bit like, oh, that happened. I kind of expected I could see it happening from the moment second half started. It was so predictable. And I, yeah, I I think getting back to games will start, re spark that kind of, even if we are predictably losing, uh, going back to yeah. games will re spark that and kind of make it. Because at the moment, it just feels like I'm going to be, well, I'll obviously be disappointed if we go down, but I won't be as gutted as I thought I would be. If, if if we're still in behind closed doors at Christmas, um, by the end of the season, but if we're, yeah, actually, it's a horrible... you know, it'll mean a lot more, which be, I think is a good thing. So I don't want to kind of lose my yeah, the love of the game. Yeah,
3: we, we don't want to be in that thing. We're not angry, we're disappointed. That's never, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> it's never worse than that, is it? It's when people say that. on, on uh, whatever day it was that Arsenal we played Arsenal, Wednesday was it? And it, yeah. it, it, partly, I think I'd still be a little bit like that if we were at the games because it's so predictable. But it'll be a lot more frustration as well if I was actually having to go down to Brighton to watch it and spending my money what you know, going on the train and going to, and yeah, the season ticket obviously as well. When we've got a refund on that now. So it's yeah, I think it's I just wanna see, yeah, I wanna see my love of the game kind of reignite because it does feel it's drifting a bit away the longer we are behind closed doors. And it obviously is such a petty small thing compared to what a lot of people are going through around the world and that sort of thing. But it's yeah, it is my main kind of hobby, I suppose. And it's like it feels bad that maybe the the passion is drifting away due to the ball happening. Yeah. And actually, I also well, think I found myself not celebrating after the last couple of goals because I am genuinely not sure about VAR and having to wait mm-hmm. until after it's... And I, I do think that I'm beginning to move into the VAR should be scrapped group because you can't you can't celebrate a goal. It's just ruining football.
3: Yeah, well, I, I agree with everything you, you guys have all said there. I'd, I'd, I'd agree, but I think there's some reflections on the rules. I think we do need to, to look to try and change some rules. That might be one thing that could be done next year. Obviously, we really hope that um, things can start to come towards a resolution in regard to the um, to the COVID situation, and obviously we want the Albion to improve. I think we will improve in this this year. I, I don't just say that from hopeful point of view. I, I honestly believe that we will. Um, the danger that could be set against that is if we get on the, the players' backs if we've got crowds in, or or even just with social media, to the point where it actually affects their confidence more than it already is. Uh, If we make a change, I think it would be unwise at this stage. And I'm not sure that the alternatives would would benefit us, um, any of the options that we can have available. It's trying to work in a more difficult situation, um, trying to set up differently it can you know, it can get quick fixes but i'm not sure that would be the, uh, the the solution so I, I yeah i just hope that one way or the other my hopes are realized that we can improve on the pitch as well and I on really that note
0: the big events go ahead as well the, the european championships and the olympics and stuff like that yeah and not to have, have any more nasty su-
3: not to have any more nasty surprises would be nice wouldn't it yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I love the olympics it's kind of like i yeah, I have kind of ended binge watching that for two weeks generally, even mm. though it's like really random sports that, so I'd love, yeah. yeah, I really hope they go ahead with that, and I really hope the Euros go ahead, although of all the times they could choose a European Championships to be across Europe rather than in one country, they chose the absolute wrong, wrong event.
3: Yeah, true, yeah, and I, I really think they should have pushed the Euros back further, but anyway, on that note, we shall finish part three in part four. To finish, it'll be the welcome back to the fourth and final part of this new year's uh special where we've now got time for the quiz it's just a quick one to finish off um this may be the only quiz of the season that we do because um we haven't done one so far and we may not do any more. so your one and only opportunity to become champion could be upon you richard and peter and um, andy's had to drop out and leave us so uh, it's just the two of you competing bottled it for the
0: last
3: minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he bottled it yeah um yeah, it's just a simple seven questions in a multiple choice format, simple as that. Both of you give me your answers. I'll um, tell you at the end, or I'll tell you as we go, how we're doing. So question one, if you're ready, folks. Which of these football clubs is the oldest? Is it A, Crawley, B, Rochdale, C, Liverpool, or D, Swindon? Any idea? So oldest of the clubs, Crawley is A, Rochdale's B, Liverpool, C. Swindon's, D. Quick fast-track answer. What are we going for, Richard? Rochdale. Rochdale. Both going Rochdale, which is B. Okay. Um, It isn't. It's Swindon, actually, would you believe. It's 1879, Swindon. They're an older club than a lot of people think. Rochdale was
0: 1879. I wasn't Liverpool. I know they're quite recent, aren't they, generally? Yeah,
3: yeah. 19... Oh no, actually 1892. 18, 18
0: yeah.
2: something. Anyway.
3: Yes, yeah, 1892. Did? Um, and Crawley was 1896, incidentally. Um, right. Okay. On to question number two then. Um, which pro team has the longest record recorded unbeaten run in European club football history? Um, is it A, Liverpool, B, Ajax of Amsterdam, C, Stour Bucharest, or D, Wimbledon FC? Wow. It's all guesswork, know. this one, isn't it? We're,
2: yeah, we're in the realms of random guesswork. Uh, I'm going to say Bucharest. <laughs> okay, I'm say Bucharest.
0: Because I'm just confused as to why they're in there otherwise. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, okay, well, you've fallen into my trap, Peter. It is now Bucharest. So there, Richard yeah. is is 2 1 up. <laughs>
0: double. Sorry, no, 1 0
3: up. up. 1 0 yeah. up, yeah. Okay. See, I'm getting it wrong already. Right. Third question Which English club side once fielded five in England international captains or had been England international captains at one point or another in one lineup? So, five England captains or ex captains in the same lineup. Is it A, Manchester United, B, Ipswich Town, C, Everton, or D, Southampton? So, um, this Wait, is the-, the
0: question. Sorry.
3: Yeah. So, which English club, uh, English club side, once fielded five England international captains in one lineup?
0: So they, like, they'd, they'd already been captain at that point.
3: Yeah, they'd either already been or were currently.
0: Yeah, so come, um, not like future England captains.
3: <laughs> Richard's going um, Southampton. Yeah, <laughs> not future captains. Well, no, switch. Switch. Um, Richard is in a two-nil lead now. <laughs> it is Southampton. Yeah,
0: I What's thought Southampton question? might be the case if it was like future, but I didn't think it would be.
3: Yeah, no, it's um, it's Peter Shilton, Kevin Keegan, Mick Mills, Alan Ball, and Dave Watson. Would you believe? Wow. So, interesting. It's quite a phenomenal that. Actually, I don't believe uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> you can check it if you want. Uh, right here we go. This 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 one's going to be interesting. Alfredo Di Stefano was was eligible under the rules of the time to play for four countries um during his era and he did in fact play for three of those four countries which of them though did he not take up the option of playing so he's entitled to play for all of these four but which one didn't he actually play for was it a spain b argentina c colombia or d italy don't ask me to to explain which of those he was qual- he was eligible for under which <laughs> reasons but uh, um there were lax rules at the time quite clearly uh, i think so yeah he so which of them did he not play for a spain b argentina c colombia or d italy i'm
0: gonna go for spain i'm gonna go for spain. colombia
3: okay you have both got that one wrong actually um it's in fact italy of all teams yeah, uh, the I, team I, thought
0: I thought argentina italy were definite i didn't realize that
3: yeah I'd, i didn't realize He'd played for Colombia and I didn't realise he hadn't played for Italy, but um I just call yeah, that fact I, I somewhere online.
0: Italy down his definite at first and it was a matter of which of um Richard obviously had the yeah, similar potentially or I, I, I just assumed because I knew he was Argentina Italy that it was he definitely played for those two. Yeah, yeah.
2: It, Italy Italy was the one that I'd ruled out
0: very early on. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: I had as well.
3: Strange, isn't it? Okay, well on to question five. Okay, Richard quickly,
0: with a two nil tone form at the moment.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's a two 0 lead for Richard. Can Peter claw it back in the second half? Probably not question. Somebody. Question five, this is gonna be a random guess one, I think, as well. Um, of these... the
0: first lot. <laughs> yeah.
3: Similar to the first lot. Which of these football clubs was founded in the same year nineteen oh one as the Albion? As in Brighton and of Albion, that is, it's not a trick question. Um which, which club founded in the same year as the Albion? Is it A Exeter City, B Coventry City, C Bristol City, or D Hull City? <clears throat> oh, God Uh, Exeter. Okay you've gone Exeter Richard and Peter. Hull. You've gone Hull. Hull is 1904. The oldest is Coventry 1883. The next oldest was Bristol City 1894. You are correct Richard it is 1901 Exeter. (laughs) An unassailable 3-0 lead now which is what we are hoping isn't happening uh, when we watch the Wolves game later on today. Um, so which of these venues did not host a game at Euro ninety six? Um which did not host a game? Was it A, Hillsborough, B, Goodison Park, C St James's Park, the Newcastle one that is, and D Elland Road. So clarifying
0: that.
3: Yes, <laughs> just in case. And there's somewhere else that's called St James's Park, isn't there, I think, as well. Excellent. Um, but yeah. but yeah, ex- well, yeah, I mean apart from Exeter, I think there's another one as well. But um, anyway, um, yeah which venue did not host a game at euro 96 was it hillsborough goodison st james's part of newcastle or Elam road goodison i
0: would have said they all did um yeah i thought
3: hillsborough okay peter you've hit the post again richard's hit the net it's (laughs) four (laughs) nil
0: goodison didn't really Yeah, I was Danfield. That. Did is that
3: why? Because Liverpool did, and maybe you know Yeah, I didn't. think that's probably why. Yeah, that would make sense because it has the bigger ground, doesn't it? I think I've been all four of those. 3, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's see if you can get consolation goal here, Peter, for the final question. Um, which, with which club did Johan Cruyff win his final league title as a player? Was it A. Ajax, B. PSV Eindhoven, C. Feyenoord, or D. Bognor Regis Town? <laughs> at least i've narrowed this one down for you <laughs> don't
0: say bogner don't oh, say bogner i love if it was a trick question it was bogner <laughs> he just well, he played there once and <laughs> it was some bloke called some other random bloke called johann fred cruyff <laughs> yeah or he had a yeah he,
3: or he had a mate who was a uh, he was living in bogner or something and he did he just did it as a favor no it, it wasn't bogner no but which of those was it was it a b eindhoven or c Feyenoord? psv
0: I'm going we'll to go for one of the non-obvious ones and go for Nord.
3: Peter, you've scored an consolation goal. Get in. <laughs> it is indeed Nord, apparently. So there we go. So 4-1 to Richard. You are officially the champion now, unless we do another quiz this year. yeah, That makes up for your... Uh, you, you said you didn't do too well on the quiz when we did it last season, did it? It's, That's um, an understatement, Russell.
0: Now I feel, I feel vindicated. I didn't know I could Google that quickly. <laughs> uh, I, I think you with yourself through the difficult times of last season and didn't uh, didn't uh, get a new quiz master in quiz fancer in
3: indeed yeah (laughs) right well that concludes this and this new year special the first one of 2021 which has probably by the time you're listening to this been split into two episodes because it's a bit of a bumper episode um if that is the case thanks for sticking with us um i was if it isn't thanks for sticking with us as well uh (laughs) on that note on that note um i think it's just to wish us all a happy new year all the listeners to all the contributors thanks to everyone that's um, taken part in the in the previous year we hope to see some of you back with us and we'll hope to get some more exciting guests on as well in the new year let's hope the albion can rise that table as well and um until then guys uh, richard thank you for joining me again
2: pleasure thanks for asking and happy new year stay safe everybody
3: excellent thank you also to peter as always thanks pete We could just finish in the usual way then by, uh, well, hopefully with with better circumstances to follow. Stand or fall.
0: Up the Albion.
1: Up the Albion. Hey. Sports Social Podcast
3: Network.